we're talking about Malorganite. More important things than construction projects is Malorganite. Green yards. Green yards. Green yards and uh, red dirt is kind of like just two things that I'm highly interested in. Green yards and red dirt. And good barbecue. And good barbecue. <laughs> yeah. White barbecue sauce, particularly. Well, yeah. Well, I'm from the Delta. I don't know so much about white barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I spent my childhood going to uh, um, Big Bob Gibson's barbecue in Decatur. Has no, there's no, um, um, there's no parallel between wanting to get jobs in Huntsville and my favorite barbecue restaurant in the world. Just to make that clear, but um, yes, every time I go up there, I do go eat at Big Bob Gibson's, which is they claim that they're the OG Alabama white barbecue sauce. Um, restaurant tall statement. So that is a, that is a tall <laughs> statement but they've won memphis in may like 47 times so well, yeah. that may be a slight exaggeration but it's not a big exaggeration so well the next time we uh, go up there to look at a job here hopefully in the next couple of weeks uh we can uh, make we'll, a little pit stop we'll do it we'll do it so all right so this is the episode of the burns built podcast um but i got uh chris moore or christopher moore we talked about this before that um that uh, y- your whole family, you go by Christopher, and then around here, you go by Chris. Yeah, so growing up, Christopher was always what I was called and went by. And then I would say back end of high school, most definitely on into college is where Chris started coming into play a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, just ended up sticking. Um but yeah, I mean, still to this day, everyone still back home still calls me Christopher, you know, as far as family goes. Yeah. Um, if I get called Nicholas, I'm in trouble, you know? Yeah, so that's uh, one thing. Um, my wife will laugh at me every now and then. Uh, every so often she'll call me Christopher and uh, you'd be surprised at how quickly my head will turn. Yeah. Because usually it, when someone <laughs> says my full name like that, it's usually my mom and I've done something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I I know how that feels. Yeah, if I get if uh, it's like a you know Kenneth will come to the office and you know he he used to only refer to me as Nicholas and I don't mm-hmm. know if there was a rite of passage thing at some point but now he'll he'll call me Nick behind my back. I'll hear him say to other people Nick, but he doesn't call me that. He's still Nicholas. I don't know. I'd say fifty fifty when you're not here. He'll yeah. Come in like <laughs> where's Nick? You know, or where's Nicholas? You know. Yeah. Usually judging off of which one he calls you, I can kind of gauge how the next conversation's going to go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so you've you've been here for six years, right? Let's see, you graduated in 16 or 7? When did you graduate Mississippi State? Seven, 17, I believe. Yeah, and so you started your junior-senior summer, which would have been about 16. Yeah. Right, yeah, so you're coming into your sixth, sixth, sixth summer here, so. Mm-hmm. Six year, year, you've you've been here a while. Year. Feels like that, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like that. You know, yeah, it feels like I've only been here like a year or two. But then you stop to think about it, it's like God, I've been here like twenty years. Yeah, know? and so you're a uh, you're a project manager, estimator, mm-hmm. um, and we uh, kind of talk about how we're we're different. Um, we talk about this a lot when we interview project managers, estimators. So we've kind of reviewed how this works but how we do project management estimating differently than a lot of construction companies so i would say at the average quote-unquote construction company you have different sectors um you've got your estimating team 
they bid the yeah. jobs, they win the jobs and turn it over to their project management team. And uh, what I like about how we do things is basically everyone, all the project managers are also estimators to an extent. Yeah. Um, so basically the crate of a grave is, you know, what we uh, refer to it a lot. Um, so you get the plan set, you bid it, and if you win it and, and are awarded the job, you see it through all the way to the end, and I, which I think is really, really good um, because you don't have to try to explain to the, you know, the next project manager that's going to take it over, you know, all the ins and outs, kind of where you've got money tucked away and how you would plan to do things. And to me, it just makes it easier um, on all fronts, just kind of make sure the job goes through smoothly and nothing gets lost in translation. Yeah, you can you can tell that story of, you can kind of tell the story of how the project's supposed to be built. Right. Right, because you've asked the questions on the front end, you've reviewed the plans, you're the one that's read every word of the specs and every mm -hmm. word on the plans and every detail. And when you go to the, you know, go to project, there's no spending time reviewing the plans. You already know them. You've mm -hmm. already likely spent three weeks solid with them bidding the project. Uh, and, studying inside and out. Yeah. Entertaining different ways to do things and, you know, trying to establish that, um, that better way to go about and do things. And yeah. Do you remember what your first project was that you estimated and then managed all the way through? I would say, or the earliest one you could remember. Probably Magruder Hall parking lot is one that I will likely never forget just cause it was the first one that I did. Um, I guess as the general contractor mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, doing all the sidewalks, curb and gutter rails, so on and so forth. And a lot of that was a big learning curve. Mm -hmm. I very, very quickly learned that, um, when you have to do handrails and dumpster enclosures, um, get someone else to paint them. <laughs> we spent a few afternoons out there painting and you painted a lot by yourself doing touch-ups. Yeah. Uh, I can remember one day I just never Granted, was very early on, and I learned a lot doing it, which I'm grateful for. But uh, trying to apply, I think it's latex, late, black latex paint in 110-degree July and August heat. Yeah. It's just not the way to go. <laughs> yeah, trying not to get it on the ground and trying to go back over, and it's drying before you can get back to it. Oh, yeah. Like I, yeah. I remember one day I was painting door, the dumpster doors, and they were literally so hot you could like you literally could not touch them mm -hmm. and I, you know you do a brush stroke over them and within the blink of an eye i'd be dry like well hope that's good there <laughs> yeah yeah it uh that's that's kind of how um construction goes as as a whole is that you go yeah i can do that mm -hmm. and then you find out ooh, that was a little more difficult than 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 it really thought it was gonna be yeah i think uh if memory serves i think i believe you and I talked about that a good bit during the bidding process. You know, we looked at that like, oh, well, these guys are going to provide the rails. You know, we, we can grout these in and paint them no sweat. Um, and I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. There was but, always uh, that saying that uh, um, Kenneth and Dwayne used to really have this saying of like, stick to what you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I never really understood that until a few, you know, a few opportunities to learn stick mm -hmm. to what you know and you go outside your lane and you go do something else that you're not you don't really know what you're doing and you find out oh this is why i don't do this i know how to do this and that's why mm -hmm. i don't go do that um, and uh, this was also in the midst of me trying to finish finish up college 
This was, this, this was why I was actively taking classes that spring, um, trying to get finished up and graduate so I could, I guess, fully commit to being full-time. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot, but... All of your buddies are off going, you know, starting their first job, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to my part-time job uh, painting dumpster enclosure doors. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'd literally park on... I was over there right behind the union, and I'd go park on the job, go to class for a couple hours, and then come back a couple hours later covered in black paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk about um, uh, project managing. You know, part of uh, part of what we're doing on this podcast is wanting to kind of put out there what everyone does uh, mm-hmm. to kind of identify um, what people's roles are at the company um, and kind of learn from each other. So as a project manager, estimator, what is your... Um, kind of walk me through the whole process. Um, bird's eye view. You don't have to get too far into the details of it. So are we talking just more of like the, I guess like the private private side of, yeah, that's, of jobs? Yeah, because um, that's a bulk. Of, that's a lot of what we do, right? As a commercial or multifamily mm-hmm. or residential. Where, So I would say I have my hand in estimating a good portion of the work we do, you know, both mm-hmm. private, public, and so on. Um but I would say the bulk of my project management is the private jobs, like we mentioned, you know, working directly with, you know, the the current owners of the project and um, jobs on Mississippi State's campus. Uh, it's kept me pretty tied up the last four, five, six years. Um, so I would say more private educational side. Yeah. Um, not so much the uh, state aid, MDOT, you know, you know, in that kind of lane of things. Right. You kind of, do you, so between working private projects like, because right now you've got a good mix, you've got Triangle Crossing and you've mm-hmm. got uh, the Lakeview Relocation. So um, between those two types of projects where Triangle Crossing is a private developer, uh, private general contractor, um, the negotiation and everything that comes with it versus... Uh, Lakeview where you're working um, for the university and you're the prime contractor. Talk about the difference between how those two types of contracts work for you. So I would say the difference between those two, um, Triangle Crossing especially, um, we worked for better part of a year and a half, two years with the private developer. Um, so I've got a lot more time invested into that one. Um and I feel a little bit more, you know, closely connected with that one because I spent so many hours. Yeah, you spent know. two years trying to bid and negotiate that right. project. Yeah, and uh, um, which that's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, you know, it's fun getting to get to know these developers and you know build this big project in the community in which I live. Um, and uh, but also on the flip side, Lakeview is also really fun. You know, working on campus. Um, Love doing jobs on campus. You know, I've established a pretty decent relationship with all the guys on uh, with the uh, university on campus, and uh, I would say, as far as relationship goes um, with the owners and stuff like that, to an extent, one and the same between the two. Um, yeah. Uh, or as far as I go personally, um, you know it whether the private developer or the university calls and says, Hey, you know, we need to do this and this, this, we're having these issues with, 
issues with parking or traffic or whatever, and it's not something that's currently in my contract. Um, but you know, we go ahead and do it anyways, just to kind of, kind of help me help you kind of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, that, that the triangle crossing project, um, is a fun project for you. Cause like you said, that it, it's, it's in your community and that's something we talk about a lot um, of what's really cool about this industry is that you're, you've got two projects right now that one is at your alma mater where you mm-hmm. spent years and you spent years learning and you've spent years, more years building that mm-hmm. campus than you spent there as a student. Um, and there's almost this ownership that comes about, right? That, that when this triangle crossing project gets done, you're going to be more likely to go spend money at Aldi um, right. because you worked on it, you know, especially you can get done with the sidewalks and mm-hmm. you're in, in, once you get involved in all that and you've painted and striped and everything, when you go back to that project in the future, you know, you and your wife are going to be walking through there going, well, you know, this thing happened over here and you almost have stories for like every Island. Right. You know, you can kind of tell the story of the project and it's really cool. That ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I would say it's also really cool. Cause one, it's a, 10 and a half, 11 acre, you know, size job, you know, massive earthwork job, you know, as far as the import goes. And, uh, so that's always really fun, you know, to get on the big production jobs and, uh, and with it being out there on highway 12, you know, everybody in the community is riding past it. They're kind of seeing what we're doing, what we're building. And, uh, it's kind of cool to be able to sit behind the scenes and be like, and just kind of think to yourself, I had a very big part. Yeah, I did that. It's okay to say, yeah. it's okay to say I did that. I mean, yeah. I know there's a whole team, right. but there's so many people that walk away from a project like that, that I did that. I poured mm-hmm. my heart and soul. I poured myself and I invested myself into that project. Yes. You and others is, but I think it's totally fine to say, hey, I did that. Mm-hmm. I worked on that. Um, yeah, there was just you know, to be able to say, you know, and go into detail with people about all the stuff that went on behind the scenes for two years, trying to get this thing up off the ground. Um, and with it being such a massive development for the community, you know, it's a, well, I think there's six retails, um, six retail spaces, um, that are going in and I think four or five, uh, little smaller shops that are going in on this little right. strip mall. And, uh, so it's massive for the Starville community. Yeah. yeah. And that's dentist. something you'll always be able to go back to and be able to tell those stories, you know, yeah. even being an old man one day. <laughs> I remember when that thing was built. Yeah. I remember when we did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's always something I've always um, been envious of um, here in Kenneth and Wayne and Russell mm-hmm. and those guys that have been, you know, they've been in the industry for a long time that you can almost call them up and be like, Hey, did you work on this site? Like, oh yeah. I remember when we were out there and we did mm-hmm. This and they can almost—they're almost like a, this, like walking history book mm-hmm. of everything that happened in town. Um, and, and I would say the same thing for Lakeview to an extent, because um, with that particular project, um, it's that with uh, you know the new baseball stadium that was done a couple of years ago, and uh, the project that's currently ongoing by a different contractor with the Hump. You're basically hand in hand working with these other contractors yeah. basically reshaping that entire area, you know, which is, I guess where all the cool stuff, you know, aside from Davis Wade happens as far as sports goes, you know, you got your baseball, your basketball, softball, tennis, and so much happening in that area. And you're have a very big part of reshaping and making that whole area look different. When you have, uh, as much as we talk about that, we have ownership over, we feel that we have ownership over our communities. Uh, you're working with a set of people from Mississippi State that they have poured their heart and soul into this corridor project mm-hmm. 
for years and you were talking about the other day how excited they were about the renderings and having the renderings on this project sign and how pumped they are because they have this vision and mm-hmm. they're geeking out over the light fixtures you mm-hmm. know and what plants are going to be put in there because this is their masterpiece right and you're kind of painting someone else's masterpiece so they have this vision and you're carrying it out mm-hmm. um, and it's cool to work with somebody that's really excited and it just kind of makes you excited because you're just like Right. This is, yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I would say that uh, I guess we as a company um, definitely try to go the extra mile. Uh, I mean, really on any project we do, um, but it's a lot easier to get excited and be willing to go that extra mile to ensure that everything is uh, being built accordingly. Yeah. You know, and it's all going to look nice and pretty. You know, you don't want any bad areas, and um, so you so you end up taking a lot of pride in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when you can kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit, you know, and what well, can we, you know, fix up this concrete a little bit? You know, it looks kind of rough, and in the grand scheme of things, no one would ever realize it, but you just kind of. Well, the the owner realizes it though. I mean, is mm-hmm. that that's w- one of the reasons I think Mississippi State really enjoys working with Burns is because we've all worked there for so long, mm-hmm. and we always talk about we've had a project on campus since '91. I think mm-hmm. we have one of the longest standing relationships with a contractor on campus that's probably not fact but i think it's got to be pretty close because who's been on campus working for 30 years solid right you know not a lot of people um but um yeah that's cool so um talk about uh what your your roles as a project manager estimator i don't think a whole lot of people understand the actual step by step of what goes into when you get the plans in the door and then you do x y and z Um, because what they do is they see is you know you work in the office and they're, they're going to have that conception of of the project manager estimator or the project manager is the one out barking about how we're over budget. But um, just kind of talk about what your job is. Let's talk about an estimator first because that does come first. What's your, what you actually say, do uh, there? Yeah, sometimes I joke about, you know, the estimating side kind of going back to like the man behind the curtains, you know, doing all the front end work that no one really ever sees, which is, but it's still very, very, very important, um, to the whole project being built and stuff. Um, but as an estimator, we, you get the plan sets and like I said, you go through and you read, try to read every single word, every single detail, try to wrap your head around what's being built, how you're going to build it. Um, then you start getting into your, um, I guess what we call takeoffs and you're going to go through um, the Trimble Business Center, um, which is our earthwork takeoff software, spend countless hours on it, trying to get it, you know, as close as you can, dead perfect. And um, then it's at the end of it, you know, it's going to spit out all your, you know, you got to haul off this much, you know, you got to import this much and so on. And you calculate all these quantities, storm drain, curb, so on and so forth. Um, plug all those into a bid sheet and then start trying to figure out what your cost needs to be and what your production rates are going to be. And, um, you know, plugging in a little extras cause you know, this is going to take longer and you know, yeah. you're going to end up having to do this particularly on campus, you know, you know, for all the little extra quote unquote favors. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or, you know, you get out there and you go, Oh, well I'm going to have to, um, I can, it's, there's a fun challenge of getting out there and figuring out what's going to have to take place mm-hmm. and how you can do it better. Right. Mm-hmm. So going out there, we always talk about 
the parking bumpers and bollards and all that kind of stuff, save them. If you come across them on a job site, save them yes. because we will repaint them and put them back out because, um, and if you are cleaning up in the, you know, in a, one of the buildings here and you find them, don't throw them away. Mm-hmm. Please don't throw them away because, because what, what you that, figured out. Yeah. Those things are very quickly realized how expensive those things were, um, to meet the, you know, the MSU standards. Um, and what we figured out is, you know, if we can salvage those off past projects or, you know, wherever they might be, um, we can avoid including that material cost on hard bids, which mm-hmm. will essentially lower our overall bid number and give us a better shot at getting the job. Yeah. It's it a makes, small example of... Well, it makes us more competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And us being more competitive helps us get more jobs or make more money, which helps everyone makes more money, which helps us buy nicer equipment, buy nicer mm-hmm. pickups, buy nicer tools, be able to do a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. I like um, to think bidding um, being like a really big puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, figuring out your quantities, your production, you know, how you can do things better and be more competitive and somehow simultaneously figure all that into a nice, neat puzzle. Yeah. Do you, you think that's a personality thing of uh, like, it's kind of does the chicken before the egg thing. Does becoming an estimator make you want to figure out puzzles outside of work and in your rest of your life or because you like figuring out puzzles that you like estimating? Have you ever thought about that? I would say most definitely. Um, so I've always kind of liked figuring stuff like that out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whenever I got into the estimating deal or the estimating side of things, uh, it just kind of like boosted that. Uh, to where I find myself all the time, you know, like, you know, planting new flower beds at the house or something, you know, mm. like, okay, well, we need, we're going to have to have these sprinklers and we're going to put them here and, you know, this garden hose and so on and so forth. And you're just like, feel like I'm overcomplicating this uh, flower bed, yeah. deal, you know, but it's, uh, you build there's... spreadsheets for home projects. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sit down and figure your cost and you're sitting there with your wife going, no, we c- but if we do this. It'll mm-hmm. save this, oh, but you know we can do this, and it's going to cost a little extra. Right, um, kind of estimating your own. But it's fun, you know. Yeah, it's so fun for me, anyways. Um, yeah, but uh, so when you get so you get a project, um, let's say you know we talk about, and I'll I'll take a quick moment to say we bid a lot more than we actually build as an estimator. We yes, um, I would say with. Uh, fair amount of people will feel like they you know they only see the the jobs that we actually get um you know and it's like okay well that job didn't take you you know two months three months to bid or whatever it's like you know, you've been sitting in the office with your feet kicked up yeah but yeah. you know the whole time you know where you might bid 10 jobs and only get eight or nine of them you know yeah and just or or bid 10 we might go on a streak and bid 10 and get one i mean we haven't got we haven't been awarded a job that, that's what i meant i'm sorry i yeah. flip-flopped it yeah bid bid 10 jobs and only and miss eight or nine of them. Right. Uh, which someone, I heard an old contractor talk about one time that if you get every job, you're too cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't get any jobs, you're too expensive. And so there's a happy medium somewhere. Um, but there you should, you really should bid a lot more than you build for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah. And you spend a lot of time spending, spending your time on jobs that we'll never build. We'll never get, or they're out of budget, or, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it can kind of seem hopeless. But like you get over that at a point, right? Right. Yeah, you get over it and you go, oh, on to the next one, and yeah. you 
It's uh, quite literally just another day in the office, you know? Yeah. You uh, miss 100% of the shots you don't take, so. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, I always think that's funny is that uh, you'll have people call you and they'll go, hey, what are they building over here? And you know exactly what's being built over there because you bid on it. Mm-hmm. And whether you're there or not, you know what that project's going on and what it took to build that job um, because you estimated it. You figured the production on it. You figured the quantities. You know every project in town. Mm-hmm. If you don't know a project in town, you know, you're concerned. You're like, how did I not know? That's also kind of cool on the, uh, going back to like the private side of things, you know, like we know about this big retail shopping center, you know, two years before really anybody did in town and, you know, be riding down the highway and, you know, with friends, whatever, like, Hey, hopefully at some point in the future, you know, this is going to happen here. So how'd you know that? Like, well, working with the developers on it, you know? Yeah. So that's uh, kind of cool. Or you know projects that the city's planning or the university's planning years and years out. But mm-hmm. you know what they're dreaming of because, you know, they're going to call you and get budget prices. Mm-hmm. You know, we help. That whole vision, helping people build their vision into reality that some companies, you know, there's a lot of truth to that because you help them price stuff years out or help them figure out how, how long it's going to take to build something. Um, I would say we kind of take, uh, you know, I see people advertising, you know, yeah, advertising their business, whatever, you know, whether it be small, big, whatever, you know, free estimates, you know, call us whenever yeah. we kind of take that to the next level, you know, where we'll spend a month on an estimate, you know, on a massive millions and millions of dollars, um, which I feel like not most companies do and, and or are willing to do. Yeah. Where they work with an engineer and help him balance the quantities or mm-hmm. figure out the best way to do it or going that extra mile. Yeah. We're kind of this, um, part of that business development and pre-construction side of what we do is almost this construction consultant for free, complete free mm-hmm. consultant that engineers, architects, developers, owners, agent, government agencies all call us and say, Hey, I'm thinking about building this. Can you tell me what it would take? What it's going to cost? Do I have enough room? You know, mm-hmm. um, is this even possible? And we're sitting there going, yes or no, or mm-hmm. try this. So, all right, so you get a, you bid 10 projects, you finally get one. Um, you go to bid day, you, you're awarded it. Um, what happens then? How does, how's the next steps work? I would say in short, um, I guess the prep work before any actual work starts on site. Um, obviously you got to get your contract from the owner or university, whoever it is. Um, you know, making sure all that's squared away. Once you get all that, you got to, you know, issue out all your, uh, contracts to your subs if you have any um, then from that point you know it's calling in your um, dig permit your 811 call because um, that's the law yeah and you got to get everything marked for out what's down there before you start digging um, and uh, submittals is a big thing uh, actually creating a project schedule yep. for how you intend what you intend to do on this date when you plan to finish it and um yeah, figuring out material lead times these days is yes. really tough. It's always been a challenge, but now it's even more that figuring mm-hmm. out, hey, when am I going to get those blocks for that retainer wall? Can I get them in time to build that wall to build a pad, deliver that pad on that, you know, owner's deadline? Yeah, that's uh, kind of a deal where uh, going through on the Lakeview project, uh, the light fixtures on MSU campus are always just tremendous lead times, you know, and. Uh, that was one of the first things that we did on that project, even before 
we had an actual executed contract back from the university was going ahead and getting these uh, submittal shop drawings from the electrical sub from his vendor uh, to get submitted for approval because it's 16 weeks before we can even get the fixtures. Yeah. And, and sometimes the project's not but 12 and you still got to get right, light fixtures. Right. Yeah. It's happened uh, on numerous occasions where you've got 90 day contract time and 180 day, you know, fixture lead time. Yeah. Kreitz was that. We finished it in like, what, September and the lights mm-hmm. came in in November. Right. And it just is what it is. But the earlier, it's kind of part of that part of the, the project manager that no one sees. The estimator doesn't see, the field guys don't see, is that you spend months you know, four, six, eight weeks worth of prep time on the front side of the job before anybody ever even thinks about putting a shovel in the ground, prepping material, prepping plans, getting subcontractors lined up, getting all of those things takes a lot of a lot of prep work before the mm-hmm. job can take place. Yeah, you mean you try to cover any and all bases that are going to be needed so when the guys actually get to the site and fire up their equipment, they have all the answers, all the materials are at least either there on the way. You know, you try to get as much as you can ahead of time so you're not delaying them in the field. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that's easier said than done, especially nowadays um, with the uh, supply chain and all that. But Yeah, absolutely. So it, um, and that's kind of setting up the foundation for the job, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's um, how good or bad a job is going to go um, can be defined in those early weeks between bid day and the notice to proceed as, as it's called the first mm-hmm. day of the work, the notice to proceed. That's the start of the contract. Um, yes. And then I would say post all of that front end work, yep. um, work the, started, we're going to work, get dozers rolling. What happens next? The uh, PM shop is still not even close to being over at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, you've done all the, as much front end work as you can, but um, it's still, you know, uh, cost tracking, Mm-hmm. You know, making sure that, you know, you don't have a bust in your quantities, you know, it's, or, you know, making sure that you're not getting, you know, more red dirt, more stone or something to the site than, what, than what was actually yeah. needed. Because a lot of times that, for example, a lot of times you don't really realize that until you get ready for pavement mm-hmm. and you start fine grade for pavement and you realize, oh, I've got 15 loads of stone here that we can't use. Um, yeah. But that's extra cost. Right. That means everybody spent money. That means it came out of. Money came out of your pocket, mm-hmm. everyone's pocket. You know, everyone lost money on mm-hmm. that job. Yeah, and or uh, on that item. You know, and it's billing um, is also associated with that. You know, you got a bill for the work that you do each month. Uh, to make sure the company gets paid. So in turn, project managers get paid. The field guys get paid. Very, yeah. very important thing. <laughs> that is uh, billing is is the most important part of the job, yes. right? Um, <laughs> And, um, you know, and then things come up in the field all the time, you know, the, yeah. you know, the guys in the field might get in something and realize there is a gap in the plan, you know, that yeah. something came up, they ran into this, you know, under unknown pipe underground or something. And you got to go back to the engineer, send him an RFI request for information mm-hmm. and, uh, say, Hey, look, you know, this is what we found. What do you want to do here? Or, you know, this is the hole in the plan. How do you want us to proceed here? Yeah, a lot of that is problem solving. A lot of kind of have to do on your toes and your feet a lot. So. Yeah, trying to figure out a solution. When you find a pipe in the ground. You got to fight. You got to help figure out what it is. Where mm-hmm. is it going? Where is it coming from? Is it gas? Is it sewer? Is it what you know? Right. It's it, which generally is figured out in the field. But then you got to help that 
engineer go, hey, we can do this solution. Mm-hmm. We can work this out. We can we can reroute it, um, and sometimes it has a cost attached to it. Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to have to reroute this, and then you have to go back to estimate. Put your estimator hat back on, right? Yeah, so the change orders, um, you love them, but you hate them. Um, yeah. So, you know, when unforeseen um, issues like that come up, you know, it's – something that couldn't have been avoided on the front end on the estimating side um, is where you have to you know, work up a change order. Say, hey, look, you know, this wasn't included in the plans. This is what we have to do now. Um, work with the engineer figuring out that solution and applying a cost to it. And yep. then send it in to the owner and increase your contract amount for the additional work. Or decrease sometimes, but yep. some a lot of times you've got to have the explanation for it. You know, and you have certain owners that they get nitpicky of and say, well, why are you paying this for a box of screws? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you, you got to answer to all that. And, um, yeah. And so, all right. So the job goes on, you answer an RF, you're sending RFIs, you're getting problems solved for guys in the field so they can keep going. You're helping them with quantities. You're helping them stay on track, uh, doing change orders. Um, you get to the end of the job and the crew's done. The dozers leave. Are you done? Nope. Maybe <laughs> it is time for punch list. And punch list is, for the university jobs especially, there are basically two different punch lists you have to do, mm-hmm. being the general contractor. First one being the general contractor's punch list, which means I would go out to the site, find, you know, that we've left a small pile of trash here, or, you know, there's some cones that haven't been picked up, or... Um, We're going to crack in the sidewalk over yeah, here. Yeah, crack or in the sidewalk, you know, that is going to have to be replaced, or you know, some side that left got, you know, got cut short or really anything and everything that just doesn't look per the plans. Yeah. It's quality control on the back mm-hmm. end of the job, right? That and you're then, doing. And then you work it up all into a big list, give it to your subs and uh, say, hey, look, this pertains to your scope of work, you know, come back and fix this ASAP. And then uh, once you get all that done, then you do your final walkthrough with the engineer and owner. And uh, then they will generate another punch list. Um and then you basically repeat the process. Then once everything's good, you're all what we call punched out. Um, and your job is still not done. Uh, <laughs> then you've got to submit closeout documents, you know, your warranty documents, you know, verify that you've paid all your subs and all that good stuff. And yeah, you had a crazy closeout document required recently on a project. We won't mention the engineer or the project, but you were telling me that the uh, the closeout document requirements for the irrigation required that someone make a instructional video, put it on DVD, and provide it to um, MSU's landscaping um, mm-hmm. so that they were trained on the irrigation system. Yes, uh, and that was after you did an orientation <laughs> with the landscape department. You know, actually being out there physically yeah. showing them everything and. Then you had to do that DVD little movie, yeah, or whatever you want to call it. I yeah. guess just in case they forget, in case they forget how the, the how the panel doesn't how the panel works. You know, just yeah. in case they lose our cell numbers and <laughs> have a question. Yeah, that was uh, that was different. We didn't. We ended up not doing it. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we went to him, and I guess you called Bart over at the landscape and said, "Hey, do you really need this?" Yes. And he said, "No, yeah. I know how they work." Yeah. Uh, but you may have ridiculous th- every once in a while you have something ridiculous like that that mm-hmm. you have to do, and a lot of it's good, a lot of it's reasonable. Um, 
showing all the products that you used on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had a, some, several jobs before where that the DVD thing in the little instructional class does seem ridiculous, but um, I've worked on three artificial turf projects. Uh, have you ever done an artificial turf project? Yeah, I don't believe so. So at the so at the end of artificial turf projects, um, the turf guys hold a little class with um, the people that are going to be managing the turf. Um, they bring them their groomer machine, which is like this big um, over-glorified power, mm-hmm. power broom thing. They bring them extra of the infill, mm-hmm. the little rubber infill, um, extra pieces of, of turf, which I've only done baseball, softball, actually, funny enough. Yeah, and though I guess the pitcher's mound and home plate, all that wears out really quick. So they bring them mm-hmm. extras of those. They go through how to maintain, um, you know, the turf and all of those different things. That's all part of the closeout process. That's over the, what we call the handoff, mm-hmm. right? The handoff of the project or selling the project. I've heard it called that before and selling the project at the end. Um, and so, all right, so sell You've sold the project. You're done, right? You got, you know, that's it, right? I guess in the bill. Yeah, and you yeah, got you know you send your final bill with those closeout documents, and uh, then you spend the next several months uh, trying to get paid for that final bill. Makes for um, makes for some long days, but uh, you know sometimes stressful days. But I would say overall very war- uh, rewarding overall. Yeah, you know it's I really really enjoy you know this job and what we do, and you know not only the job and building things, you know. It's the atmosphere of the workplace, you know. Everyone here is super nice, super easy to get along with, and which uh, definitely make things easier, you know, in the grand scheme of things. You know, when stuff gets stressful on the project, and yeah, you're all working together. Mm-hmm. You're still at the end of the day. You're all trying to build the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, is that you're uh, you got a set of plans and you got a set of specs, and you're all trying to march in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You all want to make it, you know, make a living. You all want to provide for your family, and you all want to build this thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's always uh, around here, at least always willing to help. Um, yeah. You know, if you get spread super thin, you're trying to figure this little deal out. You go down the hallway and um, so-and-so is also, you know, struggling to keep his head above water. Like, hey, I got this issue. Can I pick your brain a little bit? You know, and I'd say 99% of the time, you know, it's everyone's always willing to hear the other one out and try to help with the try to help with the solution to whatever's going on at that particular time. Yeah. Well, um, we, at the end of the Burns Built podcast, we have this little segment um, that we do um, called What You Digging On, um, which what we ask is to talk about recently, um, you know, two good things that's happened. One thing at work, one thing outside of work. Um, so, so I would say triangle crossing, getting ready to start running curb. Um, and we also just finished a massive underground storm tech system. Biggest one I've ever put in. That's the biggest uh, one Burns has ever put in. That uh, was a, as far as I know, that's the largest one in the golden triangle and possibly North Mississippi. I don't yeah. know a whole lot about the Oxford market. There may be some bigger ones up there and in South Haven, but that was a really fun deal. You yeah. know, brought in the big, you know. Stone shooter, big telebelt deal, and you know, shot all the stone out, and uh, had a really, really good team. You know, working in the field, and you know, we all kind of worked together to figure this big puzzle out, and that was really, really cool to 
see come together. Yeah. Something I had been anticipating for two years. <laughs> it's just one of those crazy things that you, you talked about for years, you worked on for years and you got in the field and you and a group of guys got after it, you knocked it out. Um, it's, it's an impressive thing in itself and it's going to get covered up and no mm. one will ever know it's there. But we got all our cool videos and yeah. documentation on it that we can always go back and look at. Yeah, but you, but you, you will never go back on that site and not think about that. Like it's mm-hmm. impossible to drive by that place and not think about this massive thing that's buried under the ground that's you know cleaning the water that's going back into your community. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole system filtrates oil and trash and everything else out. That when it if a piece of trash lands on that site and ends up in the drain. It goes down in there, and it's like a trash can underground. You know, when uh, months of heavy rainfall, you've you know, when it's actually retaining the water underground, yeah. it's a really cool concept. Uh, think about it, you've basically built a pond underground. Yeah, this I mean is a one way to look at it. Um, yeah, which is kind of a cool concept because you're just like, wait, pond underground? Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, we've had a, a lot of really cool responses on the TikTok video. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that thing's got like. I don't know, a few hundred thousand views. And it's really cool to educate people on, you know, what we do around here is more than dirt and what mm-hmm. that thing is. Um, because it is this cool kind of futuristic, almost looking thing. Um, except for the guy that thought we were bearing windmill blades, but uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, for a different episode. <laughs> yeah. that's a, We could dedicate a whole episode to the windmill blade guy. Um, cool. So what's a, a cool personal thing? Um, I would say outside of work, Malone at home. Yeah. It's finally coming back in this year. Yeah. That's something you and I talk about all the time is, uh, you know, how much, how much we enjoy working in the yard, you know, and babying these you know, front and backyard lawns and, yeah. you know, striping them, you know, with the mower and stuff like that and just making them look really nice. And it's, it's the only part of this business that is, I feel like we struggle with so much at work. Mm-hmm. We struggle to grow grass on a project, but then you go home and look at our lawns and it's like a golf manicure. course. It's like a golf course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, um, not bragging. We're just stating facts here that Nick and Chris's lawn looks like a golf course. We, we work on it. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Burns Built Podcast. Um, we got Chris Moore um, on here with us today, and I'm sure Chris will be in and out. Um, Chris has been a big core part of what's been going on here the past few years and going into the future so um you'll still be won't be the last time you hear from chris but um now you know a little bit more about what he uh what he does and who he is so until next time see ya <laughs>